Welcome to Musicians Versus the World, the podcast where we explore aspects of music and musician life that may not have been covered in music school. I am your host, Christine Smith, and I'd like to welcome you back to part two of my conversation with Dr. Ankiru Okoye. In our last episode, we spoke about Dr. Okoye's background and how she overcame obstacles and prejudices to become an award-winning composer and 2021's Guggenheim Fellow for Music Composition. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend that you do so. Today, in part two, we continue to talk about Dr. Okoye's compositions and how she uses them for community engagement and to help bring about social change. Now, as you know, she does not shy away from difficult topics. So as a heads up, we do discuss topics of racism and violence in this episode. And now without further ado, please enjoy the final part of my discussion with composer Dr. Nkiru Okoye. What is your compositional process as you are coming into a new piece or you have an idea for an opera? Where do you begin? Most of my compositions are commissioned by somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's not really often that I will sit down and say, okay, I'm just going to write this piece because there's not time. You know, as I'm writing these pieces, there there are four occasions. Mm -hmm. You know, no one, very few people come up to me and say, okay, write a piece do whatever you want. Most often it's okay, write a piece about this subject or, you know, find something like that. So a lot of what I do is not so much determined by my uh, commissioners, but certainly influenced by them. And a lot of times it's a negotiation process. And there are also other ideas that I have that I'm able to say, okay, if you come to me and say, okay, what are you working on? What is it that you want to do? I've also got my roster of those types of pieces. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting in that way. So because most of my music is commissioned and it's commissioned for a specific purpose and a specific occasion, uh-huh. most of them are for community engagement. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, fortunately, I've been doing community engagement since that first composition. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I love this work. You know, I love it. And um, I love bringing music to the community. You know, so I will start, I'll find out what the commissioner wants. And they're my partners with this. But I'll also, um, like um, the piece that I did for the Detroit Symphony, mm-hmm. uh, Black Bottom, it's specifically for their community engagement concert. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we are commissioning a bunch of composers because Symphony Hall is turning 100. I'm like, oh, how cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> we want you to write the piece for this specific concert. And wow. this specific concert was that same concert that inspired me all those years ago. Was it really? The Troy Symphony, yeah. That's right. Right. So they <laughs> so um, yes, and they also they had done a reading of my first, we'll call it an orchestral hit, Voices Shouting Out. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, it's been played like uh like over a hundred times at this point. Wow. So and it was this we they got the same conductor, so it's the same the two of us. <laughs> And 20 wow. years have passed at this point. So they said, all right, so we want you to write this piece. And our only request is that you, you know, if you can tie it to Detroit. Okay. And I'm thinking, well, all right, let me, you know, let me find something. And since it's for this concert, obviously I'm going to try to do a subject that deals with African-American history. Right. 
So we kept going back and forth with different, we're just kind of tossing ideas and nothing, it wasn't quite right. We're, we're coming up with dead leads. And mm-hmm. then I found this story uh, about the area called Black Bottom. And mm-hmm. that was it. I was like, oh, that's it. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when I'm writing a piece of music and it's about a community, um, if you go into that community and you see it and you're there, it changes the music. Right. I said, all right, so when am I going to Detroit? And they're like, what? I need to go and I need to meet the people. Right, of course. <laughs> so they bring me in for this kind of unofficial mini residency. Okay. And there was an exhibit on Black Bottom and they called me up. They said, okay, there's an exhibit. So let's, let's do this now. And I said, okay. Then we found a tour guide and then um, we found different people. And so as I'm looking at these things um, and I'm looking at the different archives and I think one place there was a museum and I'm just going around and I'm telling people, hey, I'm writing a piece. I'm going to be back next year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of just talking about it. I love, I love that whole thing. It's kind Uh of this ambassador for new music. And I'm just like, oh, I'm writing a piece and it's about you and it's for you. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Did people respond well to that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. We had such a ball. Some of these folks still call me today. There was a, there's a movement, if you've heard, if you've heard that, there's a movement that happened in the Black church. The tour guide has, was giving us different spots, different locations in the Black Bottom area. Okay. Uh-huh. And there was this historic church that was still standing. And so uh-huh. we tracked down the, the folks for this church. And I have to say that a historic Black church, that's just not a place where they expect symphony. So it took a bit. We finally got the pastor to call me and I talked to him. And um, when I came back, they honored me by, they said, okay, we want you to come in and visit. They could let me take communion with their elders. And I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What an honor. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. And wow. um, there's a clubhouse. It's okay. uh, Dr. Rosa Slade Gregg. Uh, that's the clubhouse of the Black Women's Leadership Caucus. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved the story of this clubhouse. So here's this woman who's this... Um, you know, I don't know who she is at this point. They're just, the tour guide is just pointing this out. And he said, okay, so they told this woman that on this street, black people could not live on this street. And so she moved the, not her house, she moved the entryway. She boarded up the one, the one side because black people were allowed to live this during segregation. Uh-huh. Black people were allowed to live on this street, but not this street. And so the house is a corner lot. So she changed her address. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love this story. It's so defiant. <laughs> so um, of course I have to get to track down the clubhouse leader and this takes some, some doing. Yeah. And as I'm talking to her, she just gets so passionate. Mm-hmm. It's like people don't know her name and they need to know her name. Dr. Rosa Slade Gregg. And so I had it in every single, they repeated it, I think it was three times. Uh And um, they would sing this throughout this, I call it a sung story. And that's why that's that way. Because we need to know her name. So when I came back 
to this clubhouse and no one's heard it, but they're so excited because I talked to Angela and, you know, she's, this is their club president. So she uh-huh. was so incredibly excited. And so they asked me to come back and they gave me a private reception. And I thought, wow. Oh my goodness. And um, unbeknownst to the folks at the symphony and the symphony, they're sending a camera crew with me. They had a state representative give me an official proclamation from the state of Michigan. And I was in tears. I was like, oh my God goodness. Wow. Yeah. And they made me an, an, an official club member and they <laughs> gave me a pin. And I'm just like, oh, this is so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. As a background, the story of Black Bottom is mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. a community. Yeah. They, they were displaced for a freeway. Is that correct? Yeah. So this was a community in Detroit. And it's uh-huh. called Black Bottom because it was bottom soil and it was black. It was really dark. Right. Okay, so at first it was a, an immigrant gateway. Uh-huh. And then during the Great Migration, as more and more people are moving up, and remember that Henry Ford, his, his factory is in Detroit. And right. he said, well, whatever rate your race is, I will pay everyone the same wage. Mm-hmm. So all these black people ended up coming to Detroit. Uh-huh. And there's segregation and said, you know, we don't want you living here. We don't want you living here. So it's redlining. And so you have this community where it's overpopulated and Uh. a disproportionate number of absentee landlords. Mm. So people, they came by and said, hey, you know, this neighborhood's not looking too good. So Mm. let's tear it down. Yeah. With all those people living there. Yeah. So they just displaced all these people. Where did they go? It's a good question. They went to other places in Detroit. Oh, okay. Oh. Right. And I interviewed during, you know, as I was there, I was interviewing some people were alive during that time. And um, they remember having to suddenly move. Now, I remember watching that, watching the the video of that, and I was so touched by it. And it was in a a strange spot. And this kind of goes with one of the things that I love about your music is the human element in your music. It's not, it's just so connected. And there was the movement that is the children's songs, you know, the Mm -hmm. one potato, Mm -hmm. two potato. And then they start singing Miss Mary Mack. And I thought, oh my goodness. I play this song and now it's played by a symphony. <laughs> I played this game. I was like, this is great. Maybe this is how people listening to Bartok feel. I don't know. This is really cool. And, but then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, this little, these little kids lost their house. Yeah. And it hit me in such a personal way, mm. you know, cause it's easy to detach yourself from history. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's very easy, yeah. but you brought that humanness back with Miss Mary Mack, but it was <laughs> <laughs> so, so clever, um, but it was such, it was so profound. And I just, you, I don't know how, how do you do that? How do you bring that humanness into your art music? I just, I guess I just feel it, you yeah. know, um, the other side of the piece, Black Bottom, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a mirror of Mussorgsky's um, uh, pictures at an exhibition. Mm. So we, after doing all the research, we based this on a couple of pictures from it. And one of them in an archive 
was um, this little girl jumping rope. Mm-hmm. And I guess she had two two companions and it was labeled gang activity. Oh, and I thought, wow, you know, all right. OK. Um, and these are people who are actually trying to help the black people, which is so odd. They're like, OK, so we have to um, find a way to help these children because they're they're going to grow up and be in gangs. And I was so indignant about this little black girl that people were looking at her in, in a disparaging way. And remember, I was a little black girl. The little black girl in me rose her head and said, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> That's about me, you right. know? And so I said, all right, little black girls can do whatever it is that they set their mind to. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, the most challenging thing that for a lot of composers, at least certainly this composer, is a fugue. I said, all right. All right. I'm going to write a fugue, mm. but I'm going to mix it. <laughs> it's a double fugue. So I like taking classical forms uh-huh. and moving them into something else. So that is a fugue. Very much in the way that you think of Samuel Barber's fugue. It's like that. Wow. Because it's inspired by the girls jumping rope. I had, you know, there's a quartet in there and they're singing one potato, two potato, yeah. three potato, four. That's a whole nother level. I didn't. Wow. Yeah. I like it even more now. <laughs> it's a fun piece. It really is. I was so overcome with like, oh my goodness, this is my childhood song in the symphony that I didn't stop to think about the fugue part of it. But yeah. Well, I'm not going to tell people, oh, hi, this is a fugue. Because if you tell people it's a fugue, they, they have this whole, oh, it's a fugue. Right. That's true. Or so with the non-music people are like, wait, what's a fugue? You know, so, um, <laughs> that was really great is the audience just ate this thing up and you can hear on the recording, you can hear them laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so, so unexpected. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but also to give it that sound, the harmonies on that are <laughs> quartal instead of Trishan harmonies. Mm-hmm. And I, I will remember this until the day that I die because mm-hmm. Vincent, the tenor on that, and I've become really, really good buddies. You know, every once in a while we'll talk. And mm-hmm. um, he always razzes me about the tenor line at the ending of that. <laughs> was really, it was just dissonant counterpoint. Oh. <laughs> he had the, the most challenging part. And so he'll sing it for me and say, this was hard. <laughs> He's still talking about that. Huh? <laughs> it's all good nature, but he's like, don't you? And I was like, well, I could have changed. He said, don't you dare change it. <laughs> <laughs> From the topic of social engagement, Dr. Okoye and I switched to discussing music's ability to affect social change and how it can be used as a tool to both make a statement and process trauma. Uh, you know, people who, who were involved with this, they'll also tell the story of, I have another piece called Invitation to a Dian, which is uh, very somber mm-hmm. and it's about the murder of this unarmed Black man mm. hands of a police officer. And for this piece, my friend Damien, who I met through Harriet Tubman, I mean, he came in and he sang the role of John Tubman. He got the audition. He was the wrong voice type. He wasn't an opera singer. He's a <laughs> theater. It's like, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so um, we have grown up, you know, through we've had this, uh-huh. you know, thing. 
But, um, you know, I'm writing this piece and the whole concept of this piece, it's a little bit of kind of dialogue of the Carmelites with the, you know, the nuns and they're sending them to the guillotine and uh, the, the Haydn's Farewell Symphony, where, um, you know, if you see people who program things, um, the first time I saw it, it was kind of a comic interpretation. So as the players stop playing, they'd pack up and walk off the stage. <laughs> you know, it's kind of those type of things on steroids. And in, in, in my case, the entire orchestra ends up doing a die-in. Wow. Now, I had written this piece, and I was subjected to a significant bias incident, which changed my life. And I was so angry. I was so outraged. And this is around the same time as um, Trayvon Martin. I said, okay, so this is what triggers this piece. And so I, a commissioner came in, and I said, oh, this is the piece I want to write. You know, so I'm writing this piece and I was like, okay, so there's this unarmed black man and we're going to watch him, his, his death. Wow. And it's one thing to say that as a concept. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to write it out. Oh, I'm sure. And then, of course, it's not just an unarmed black man. It's Damien. <laughs> oh, it's Damien. <laughs> so you're killing your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't finish this piece. You know, I just can't finish it. And so I cried. I was like, I can't kill Damien. So I called Damien up and he says, look, sometimes for music to happen, you know, there's a, an evil that has to happen. So I give you permission. I was like, in order to do this piece, I have to kill you. So he says, you have my permission. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> I have to finish this piece. You know, there's a movie. It's with Queen Latifah and, um, oh gosh, I forgot what the name of this movie is. But it's a writer who has to kill off a character. With Queen Latifah? I know there's one. There's Stranger Than Fiction. That's it. Okay. Right. Oh, that's right. She is in that. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I love that movie. Yes, exactly. So as I'm speaking to Damien and I'm mm-hmm. crying, I'm just like, Damien, I can't do this. And he says, you have to do this. Give <laughs> 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 me permission. Go do it. So I go back and I watch Stranger Than Fiction. And I watch this character who, you know, um, she's having this nervous breakdown because she has to kill her character. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what happened. But this is why this piece ended this way. And we we changed the ending of it. You know, this Mm -hmm. man pleading for his life. And I thought, okay, how long can I listen to this man pleading for his life? Mm. Please don't shoot. Please don't shoot. Please don't shoot me. Sir, I am unarmed. So, um, yeah, that's a very sobering thing. And of course, Damien is an actor who sings. And um, the first time I saw him do this, he absolutely just collapses. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) So I'm crying. I'm traumatized. Yeah, <laughs> little black girl about seven or eight. She's there in the front row watching oh, no. watching this, and I wa- looked at. I saw the look on her face, and you know we did a talk back after that, and then they they had programmed my songs of Harriet Tubman, and I thought, okay, all right, this is the last time that I traumatize my audience.
Determined to not traumatize her audience, Dr. Okoye decided to take a different approach to processing trauma and affecting change in her next composition, Inside is What Remains, commissioned by the Tulsa Opera in honor of the Tulsa Race Massacre. So I get this call from Tobias Picker, and I'm just like, wait a minute, what? I'm sorry? It's kind of like speaking, you know, it's the pantheon of the gods, you know? <laughs> 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 he calls me, I was like, speaking to Rossini or something. And so he calls me, I want you to write this piece. Of course I'm going to write this piece for you, Tobias Picker, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so he told me what this was. And so I write this piece and it's called Inside is What Remains. Mm. Um, and it's just about kindness and seeing people through the eyes of kindness. And I really, yes. really believe that that changes the world. I really do. Um, I believe in the power of, of music to affect social change. So Dr. Nkiru Okoye, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your experiences and sharing your wisdom. And um, I just appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me in my conversation with Dr. Nkiru Okoye. I hope that you have enjoyed listening and learning from her as much as I did. Dr. Koya has many upcoming projects to be excited about, including a new song cycle, a new viola piece, new orchestration for Harriet Tubman, When I Crossed That Line to Freedom, and a new opera called Tales from the Briar Patch, which she calls a reclaiming of Br'er Rabbit in the Briar Patch, derived from African folktales. I'll have links and information on all of these, as well as links to Black Bottom and Invitation to a Die-In in our show notes on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world. Musicians versus the world is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. It is hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and our producer today is Russ Wilkes. A very special thank you to Dr. Ankira Okoye for sharing her time and her story with us. In today's episode, you heard excerpts from Invitation to a Die-In, performed by the Mount Holyoke Orchestra, led by Ng Tian Hui, with Damien Norfleet as soloist. The music was composed by Nkiru Okoye, and the text was composed by Dr. Okoye and David Koti. You've also heard excerpts from Black Bottom, performed by the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, led by Thomas Wilkins. Vocalists for this performance were Sumaya Ali, Charlotte Small Chestnut, Vincent Davis, and Markel Reed. And finally, the piece you are hearing right now is Inside is What Remains, sung by the University of Michigan Chamber Choir with Eugene Rogers as director and Louise Toppin as soloist. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. And if you would like to help us reach more people that may be interested in today's topic, share this episode with them or leave us a nice review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions for us, topics you'd like to hear about, or any helpful advice for other musicians that you'd like to share, be sure to reach out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much. <laughs>